He moves fast. He fights hard. He makes a lasting impression. Van Damme. Whatever's going on, the guards are evil. He loves the action. Remember's next on the list. Wham, bam. Thank you, Van Damme. Welcome to hell! Death Warrant. Starts Friday at a theater near you. Check your local listings. Welcome to So What's the Problem, in which we rewatch movies from a year to determine if they're problematic by today's standards. I'm Jimmy. And I'm Jen. Today we'll be discussing Death Warrant, which was released in the US on September 14th, 1990, and in the UK on November 16th, 1990. It was written by David S. Goyer and was directed by Darren Serafian. Serafian? I think so. Okay. It stars Jean-Claude Van Damme, Robert Guillaume, Cynthia Gibb, Art Lafleur, Armin Shimmerin, and Patrick Kilpatrick. Yeah, that's a great name, isn't it? Yes, <laughs> and are, are you are you proud of me for knowing Robert Guillaume? Yeah, I am. <laughs> I was expecting you to ask me how you pronounce Guillaume. Yeah. Um, so what's going to happen is this. Uh, Jen and I have thought of three problems. This movie has three each and a positive, and we'll have a little discussion about it. And the synopsis is... A maverick detective um, goes undercover in a prison to find out why so many prisoners are dying there. He discovers it's all part of a highly organised and lucrative trade in human organs, and once his cover is blown, it looks as though he is next for the chop. So, Jen, this is your first time watching this movie, wasn't it? Yes. Yes. Never heard of it. It's only 90 minutes long. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Isn't that good? Um, right, so... I don't remember when I first saw this, right? This is around about the time where I would always rent out action movies. Me and my friend were renting out action movies, right? Mm-hmm. Or we would re- rent them out independently or we rent them out together and watch them because that's what we were into when we were younger. We would watch these kind of movies. And Jean-Claude Van Damme is already sort of a thing at that point. He'd done um, Kickboxer and he'd done Bloodsport, a movie called Lionheart, but over here it was called AWOL. Okay. The reason I picked this is because since we're... Since I'm forcing you to watch action movies. I thought that we should watch action movies of different various action stars. We've mm-hmm. done Sly, we've done Arnie. Um, so I thought Van Damme's kind of next. I didn't watch any Chuck Norris movies when I was a kid, so I'm never picking him, that's fine. Um, apart from Sidekicks, but that's garbage. <laughs> uh, that's but... exactly what I was just <laughs> thinking. Was I was like, I know Sidekicks. I think Jean-Claude Van Damme offered something kind of different to all the other action stars of the era, right? Because mm-hmm. you've got, like, the big guys like Arnold and Sly. Um, Van Damme's kind of more sort of compact. He's built, but, you know, he's he's more sort of attractive and charming, and he got more of the leading man-type roles. Mm-hmm. Like, he got more of the sort of leading roles that Arnie didn't get. Arnie was the Terminator, you know? <laughs> he was that kind of character, where, uh, and Sly was um, a boxer or, or the army guy. Van Damme would get these kind of roles where he was a romantic lead, but he would also kick ass. He was also a genuine martial artist. He was a kickboxing champion. And 
it didn't seem as awkward watching Van Damme with a woman in a movie than it is, say, watching Arnie with a woman or watching Sly uh, or even Steven Seagal. And as opposed to Steven Seagal, Van Damme didn't mind getting his ass kicked. Yeah, that's a thing with, with action stars, right? That, like, their egos are really bad and they don't want it. Like, um, there's, you know, the famous stories about um, Hobbs and Shaw and how the two actors, like, they had it in their contracts, like, I guess it was like neither of them could beat the other one up more because neither of them wanted to be the one that was beaten up more. Yeah. And it's so silly. Yeah, the Fast and the Furious, they all have contracts like that. Ugh. So Gal and Van Damme sort of broke out running about the same time. But while Jean-Claude had, had like a boyish charm to him, Seagal was dour and always took himself too seriously. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the thing about Seagal is his early movies don't actually suck. They were actually directed by genuine directors like Andrew Davis, who went on to direct uh, The Fugitive. But I'm not going to pick any Seagal movies because I don't like Steven Seagal. <laughs> I like some of his movies and I like some of the action in them, but he's just bad. Um, and I might pick, in fact, I am going to pick more Van Damme movies in the future because I think he made some interesting choices in his career. Um, so what did you think of this movie, Jen? It's okay. Yeah, it's fine. It's not one of his best. It's not one of his worst. I kind of zoned out towards the end, but, um, yeah, it was, it was, I mean, it was an interesting idea, I thought. Mm -hmm. That's always nice when watching an action movie because sometimes they feel lazy. But, and I, you know, whenever I saw who wrote it, I was like, oh, okay, because he he wrote this when he was in college at USC. Like, that's impressive. But yeah, my only experience at this point with Jean-Claude Van Damme was JCVD, which I remember liking, but I don't remember it very well. Mm -hmm. And that's like his, like, artsy movie, right? So it's not really representative of his um, entire uh, filmography. And then the episode of Friends that he was on. Yeah. So let us start with our problems. I just wanted to go on a little ramble about Action stars and why I picked Van Damme. Uh, so, my first problem is, after Burke has knocked out Sandman, mm-hmm. we're greeted to him happily walking, walking through the precinct, and he's getting congratulated by people, um, and there's no sound, there's just this jaunty music, mm-hmm. and it looks like they open into a TV show, and I hate it. It does. I'll talk more about this later, right? But the if you go on the Spotify, the soundtrack to this is on Spotify, shockingly. <laughs> But if you go on Spotify, the, the, the name of that track by Gary Chang is called I've Got a Large Pee-Pee. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. So wow. that also makes me hate that scene even more. I One thing I wondered about that scene, like, because I'm wondering if this is intentional or not. You see him when he comes in. He is the first, like, two or three people that he, like, shakes hands with or whatever are black. Is that a coincidence or is it to show that he gets along with people of color? Mm. Because going into prison, it's like he's more drawn to like he's going to go hang out with the black guys. Mm. But it was like it was no. it's always, you know, when you're watching anything that's older, it's always noticeable if there's people of color or not, because they're the movies are always so white. And I just wondered if that was like supposed to indicate anything or if it was just a happy coincidence. I don't know. It might be because... The guys that confront him at the beginning, and I don't know, does he kill those two guys with like the single kick to the head each? Because one runs away and the other two are just lying there on the ground motionless. Um, but none of those guys were black. Mm-hmm. So, 
you know, it's like he didn't beat up any black guys. Yeah. He's uh, he's friends with black guys in precinct, and yeah, it could be, it could very well be shown that you know he he likes everybody. You know, he gets on with everyone. If if it is, that's very clever. Yeah. So what is uh, what is your first problem? Well, now you've told me some things about Jean Claude Van Damme that made me like him. So I feel bad about this, but I got about 30 seconds into the movie and wrote the note bad acting because he's not a great actor. He's not. He's not. I was like, is this going to be hard for me to watch? Because he's not. Although I felt like he got better once he had, Mm -hmm. once you get like into the story and everything. But in that first scene, I was like, oh, this is not good. He isn't really the best actor, but he, like I said, he does have sort of charm to him. Oh, he has a charisma, which helps. You know, yeah. Um, you see that in more movies like um, Nowhere to Run with Patricia Arquette, where it's basically a love story, mm-hmm. but he also kicks ass. <laughs> um, you see it in movies like that more. I hadn't watched like a lot of these action movies from like the eighties and nineties, and so watching mm-hmm. them with you is my first time seeing most of them. And I always kind of lumped all these action guys together, and it is interesting yeah. to see the differences, like when you're not just sitting back and just like thinking they all look the same. And it's yeah. it's interesting to me learning about their different personalities and stuff, and finding out I'm an Arnold Schwarzenegger fan. I didn't know I was an Arnold Schwarzenegger fan, and that he's a yeah. much better actor than I kind of thought. Yeah, he's a strong. He he can be a strong actor. I think Stallone's a strong actor as well. It depends on what, like the Rocky movies, he's really good. Yeah, I still need to see those. But yeah, no, I'll defend Van Damme's acting in certain movies, but it's the accent thing as well, though. It's, I mean, English isn't his first language. Yeah. So he's he's trying his best, but he does have that charm and sort of charisma. And yeah, it's like if he didn't know how to kickbox, and if he, if he was better at acting or better at English, he may have actually done more sort of leading man roles mm-hmm. if the language thing wasn't a thing. But then... Because of that, and because he can kick ass, he was shoved into movies like this. Um, well, and I think that's the the big difference between uh, action movies now and action movies in the 80s and 90s, is that in the 80s and 90s, they picked action stars based on their skill at, like, action and their muscles and all that stuff. Yeah. And that was first, and acting was second. And now we have people like, like Chris Hemsworth, it's not like he was exactly scrawny when he first started, but, like, he was an actor who then bulked up mm-hmm. to play his roles like that chris evans like you see the difference between him (laughs) early in his career and now and it's because he was like and he was chosen for his acting and then he bulked up yeah and it's it's very different now i mean bob odenkirk has an action movie (laughs) yeah you know it's it's like it's now it's well yeah exactly it's now it's actors doing action movies as opposed to action stars acting that's yeah that's that's great so my second problem, <sighs> Cynthia Gibb, mm-hmm. but not not her per se, but her character. What is her character in this movie? It's just a thankless role. She's just like attractive breast haver. Mm-hmm. That's basically all she is. Because uh, she doesn't do anything. Give her hacking skills or something, then we don't have to have this 15-year-old trying to look down her top. <laughs> you know, it's give her something better to do. And she doesn't even get to like fight her friend or kill her friend or anything she just runs out the room when he's barking a gun at her it's the the point is that there has to be romance like that them having sex in the conjugal trailer comes out of nowhere and it actually made me feel very uncomfortable because i was like she was basically just assaulted yeah 
She was just assaulted. And it, it was hard for me to find it believable that she was just assaulted and that she would be, like, feeling sexy a few minutes later. Because mm-hmm. that scene made me so uncomfortable when they're, like, telling her she has to undress and stuff. And when the guy's, like, patting her down and clearly, like, feeling yeah. her breasts. Like, it just, it's, and then him kissing her at the end. It's like, we don't need romance. We don't need it. Written by Maine. I mean, they're obviously, with her getting pat down and, like, told that she has to undress, they, I get the feeling, like, somebody writing it might think, oh, that's uncomfortable, or that, that makes her feel uncomfortable. But I think at this point in time, people weren't necessarily thinking of that as, like, flat-out assault. Which, when you use the word assault, it makes it way more serious. Yeah, it made me so uncomfortable. (laughs) Yeah. Then again, that's what our character's there for. Mm -hmm. Our character's there to be leered over by men of all ages Mm -hmm. and and assaulted and then have sex with the lead man get peered at by this child trying to look down her I do like though that the first time she meets that hacker guy um, she's wearing the blouse and he tries to look down her top so she fastens the top button right Mm -hmm. and the next scene that you see them together she's wearing a jump yeah I just don't understand the character but it's, it's just to have a love interest and it's not needed yeah Although it would probably still annoy me if there were, like, no women in the movie. So there's no winning with me, I think. Or just don't have the romance. Have the woman, don't have the romance. Yeah, exactly. She could still be there and not have any romance with the lead character. It can be done, Hollywood. (laughs) So have you said your second problem, you know? I snuck mine into yours. That's clever. Because I have a nice little list of problems. And most of them aren't huge. Like, that was annoying to me, the, the female character. But, um... So he gets there, he gets to prison, and his cellmate, like, immediately threatens him. But, like, there's two things. Mm. One, this guy is scrawny as shit, and he thinks he can, like, threaten Jean-Claude Van Damme. Yeah. Like, that's just silly. I don't care if Jean-Claude Van Damme is the new guy. Like, look at yourself in the mirror, and look at him. Look at your body, and look at him. (laughs) And think, who's gonna win this one? And second of all, why is he wearing a vest? Where'd he get the vest? What's the deal with the vest? I don't know. I've no idea. I have a lot of questions about the vest. The thing about Van Damme is as well that he's quite a, he's he's short. He's a small man. He's probably well, average mm-hmm. height. He's probably say five seven or something. Like that. He's not a tall man, but he is built. Yeah. But I think that that kind of thing where that he could wear like baggy clothes and you might not suspect him as much as say like Arnold. Like you wouldn't do that to Arnold in a scene in prison. That wouldn't work. <laughs> yeah. So having someone a little bit smaller like uh, Van Damme, you know, I can understand it more. Can I tell you what my second problem would be if I knew anything about the rules of prisons in uh, LA in 1990? Yeah. Okay, so I worked at a bookstore, as you know, mm-hmm. like a little over 10 years ago. People would come in to buy books for people in prison. Like the the law here in Oklahoma, it, the rule is that um, you can send them books, but it has to be sent from a bookstore. So that you didn't, like, tamper with it, like, I guess the way that she did in this movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we weren't allowed to send hardcover books. Like, it had to be paperbacks. And so whenever I saw him with the hardcover books, I was like, that's not realistic. But then I'm like, I don't know what was allowed at a prison in California in the 90s. (laughs) But it just, I wouldn't be surprised if you still couldn't send, because there's a lot of reasons you wouldn't want hardcover books in a prison. Mm-hmm. And it just, I don't know, it bugged me, but like, I can't, I don't know if it's a problem. I don't know if it's accurate. Yeah. 
But that's just a thing I know about. It's one of the very few rules I know about prison is that you can't send hardcover books, which sucks if if the book they want is only in hardcover. Yeah. There's a show on CNN hosted by um, W. Kamal Bell. God, what is it called? I totally forgot the name of it. But he, like, each episode he'll go and um, talk to different, like, there was an episode where he hung out with the KKK, which is insane because he's black. Mm. <laughs> and stuff like that. Or, like, one time he went to Portland to, like, show how white it was. And at one point he went to, I think it was San Quentin, talked to the prisoners there. And it was interesting to see, like, I guess that prison, more than others, has a lot of different programs for inmates. Like, they have... Their mm-hmm. own newspaper. Uh, some of them have a podcast. Um, like, there's different things they can do there and different educational opportunities. And there were people who were there for life. Like, they don't, you know, I, I would like to think that in prison you want to rehabilitate people, but not everybody feels that way. Even people who some might write off as not being needing to be rehabilitated because they're just stuck there forever. So what does it matter? Mm-hmm. Like, there were people who, like, they'd be talking about their crimes. They'd be talking about how they changed. And they were completely different people. And it was because they had those programs, because they had access to education. The idea of going into prison and, and changing in that way and access to literature is, you know... That's a big part of it. Yeah. And I like that it showed, yeah, he has that book because there's money in it. But like, mm-hmm. we just see the dude reading. A couple yeah. of times we see him just reading. The action stars, generally those guys are like, stereotyped as like dumber or whatever. I like just mm-hmm. seeing a couple scenes of him reading. Yeah. Okay. What's your, what's your third problem? The score. Okay. I hate the score. <laughs> I didn't uh, notice by it. Gary, by Gary Chang. It's terrible. Um, apparently, I've discovered I'm not a fan of his work because he also did score for um, the Breakfast Club and Under Siege, and I'm not really a fan. I like this the music, the the soundtrack, mm-hmm. uh, songs of Breakfast Club, but not the score. So yeah, I'm not a huge. I, I mean, I listened. I gave it a chance. I listened to song to some of the music on Spotify just to see, just in case maybe I could separate it from the movie. But it's terrible. Um, but I'm still going to have them on the Spotify playlist <laughs> <laughs> since the soundtrack's available on Spotify. So what is your third problem? Okay, and this is, you know, once again, I don't know the rules of prison, but I'm going to assume I'm right about <laughs> this one, okay? Mm-hmm. Jean-Claude Van Damme is not only wearing a belt, but he has a big old belt buckle. I do not think that is allowed in prison. That could be used as a weapon. Yeah. Like a belt could be used to like hurt someone else or hurt yourself i just don't think a giant belt buckle is going to be allowed in prison even if for some reason they were allowed belts and it kept distracting me i was like that's not right that's not right he shouldn't have that yeah right what's the plot in this movie because i understand all the harvesting stuff right Mm -hmm. but why send bark van damme into into prison if it's the guys who send them into prison are the ones behind it all. That's that's a good question. I hadn't thought about that. Yeah, it makes no sense to send him in because he's not even from there. Mm-hmm. He's Canadian. He came down from Canada, caught the Sandman, and then 16 months later, there's he's working in LA now, and then they send him into... Well, no, he was in LA at the beginning. No, I know, because he followed the Sandman oh, okay. there. Okay, okay, gotcha. But then there's another thing that... um. They do with Van Damme, like, the same thing they would do with Arnie is try and explain away the accent. Mm-hmm. And here, he's Canadian. <laughs> he's either French-Canadian or just French in these movies. But Van Damme's Belgian. 
Mm-hmm. So yeah, that just bothered me. I don't think that was the kind of thing that never bothered me when I was a teenager watching movies like this as plot, you know. Mm-hmm. But then when you're older and you just think about it, it's like, why did those two guys send him in if they were in on it? They don't care about Burke. I don't know. He gets too far in it. They send the Sandman into the prison to kill him, and it's like, why? Just leave him out of it, and there's he, there's no trouble. Don't send him to prison, and there's no trouble at all. Your scheme is fine. I guarantee you, I guarantee you, if the internet didn't exist, we would have more movies now like that. Like, I think now they they pay more attention to plot um, and whether or not things make sense, which they don't, still that happens where it doesn't make sense. But, like, I think movies make more sense now than they did back in the day because they know that, like, the internet is going to tear it apart. Yeah. And it's it's just, it it's clear that people come up with an idea, like, oh, they send this cop into prison and they don't, they're just, like, lazily finding ways to get him there and not really putting a lot of thought into it. Yeah. You notice that none of us mentioned the the use of the N-word in this, or none of us have mentioned the the, the quote-unquote women and the priests. Um, that is one of my notes. That was almost one of my problems, because I don't understand how the women got there. They're not women, Jen. Oh, well... Okay. That's, I was wondering. I was wondering about that. I, it was unclear to me. Like, it, was, it wasn't yeah. unclear to me with, like, the main one. Yeah. But the rest, I wasn't sure, because the whole setup there was really ridiculous to me. Like, everything about the priest. Um, so I was like, I don't know. But, um, no, uh, what was I going to say before you called me out on that? Um, <laughs> oh, um, the, the N-word, the N-word. Um, because I don't think it's problematic because they're in prison and in prison, it's notoriously racist and like skinheads against black people and whatever. Mm. I didn't, it would have been a problem if Jean-Claude Van Damme had said it, Yeah, but the use of the word in the movie, um, I don't think was bad. Yeah. There's context. Yeah. Yeah. There's context of what it's used in this movie. Yeah. Like I... I, I can't complain about it because it, it just, it, it's used in a way that makes sense to me. And I don't feel like any of the wrong people use it, you know? Or what about the, the Asian, the Asian henchman guy being called Bruce? <laughs> but that was Al Leong, um, who's been the bad guy in loads and loads and loads of movies. And we've seen him before in a movie in this podcast. Uh, he got his neck broken by Mel Gibson and Lethal Weapon. Oh, okay. And also he started out as a stunt performer in the A-Team. <laughs> which I thought was a great fact and I thought oh, I would add that in um, right positives and my positive is Robert Guillaume oh fuck you <laughs> that was my positive <laughs> well we'll just talk about it together then okay let's talk about Robert Guillaume because Robert Guillaume is friggin awesome and I never like I know Benson yes. is like the big thing he's known for and I never saw Benson, but for me, it's all about Sports Night. Yeah, I grew up watching him in uh, Benson, but also Soap. Okay, I never saw Soap. Yeah, Soap's great. I, I to, highly I recommend it. If bought you my dad it. the DVDs. If it's not streaming anywhere, I need to just steal my dad's DVDs. Yeah, no, it's really good. It's ahead of its time. It is a really smart, whip-smart comedy, and um, it kind of t- dampened now because it's about soap operas and how ridiculous soap operas can get. Mm-hmm. But it invo- there's like storylines in it, like um, demon babies and stuff like that, mm-hmm. uh, and um, someone getting abducted. But then uh, American soap operas actually did start to do 
storylines like that, like alien abductions and stuff, in the 80s and 90s. So soap kind of, yeah, it kind of loses its appeal somewhat, but it's still brilliant. I just um, looked and it's on Tubi. All right, there you go. Oh, it is on Tubi, yeah, actually. I noticed that as well. Um, I might watch some more. I quite like it. See, the thing is, though, I've got a Chromebook. Mm-hmm. And it stops all the adverts. Oh, nice! <laughs> I don't have any. I don't have any commercials during watching things like that. So that's good. Um, yeah, Robert Guillaume. I grew up watching him in Soap and Benson. Uh, Benson was really good. Uh, so to see him in a role like this blew my teenage mind <laughs> <laughs> because all I knew him was a sitcom guy. Well, and it's crazy because it's like the acting in this movie is pretty subpar, and then you have Robert Guillaume, and it's just like. He yeah. makes everyone look so much worse. Because mm. this guy is just, he's coming in and he's doing a damn fine job. He's brilliant in this. He adds legitimacy to the movie. He's a stage actor. Yeah. He he, he was on the stage and all that before he, he did TV. And he was actually the, the very first black actor to play the role of the Phantom of the Opera hmm. in 1990. He took over, took over from Michael Crawford. I'll just love his delivery of the line, go fuck yourself, you pudgy bastard. <laughs> <laughs> to Arthur Ford's character. I wanted to say one more thing that's impressive about him is when he was on Sports Night, he had a stroke. Mm-hmm. And instead of writing him off, he mm. stayed on the show. Like, he was gone for a little while while he was recovering. But dude went in and kept acting even after having that stroke. And um, he wasn't quite the same as he had been before. Like, he was still a good actor, but it's just like, clearly he had some issues. Yeah. And it was just really impressive to me. And uh, he was just, he was a really great actor. He was. Uh, yeah, my stepmom had a stroke a few years ago. And now you can you can tell in her speech. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, she recovered, but uh, she stumbles a lot in her words now. And it's very noticeable and it's very heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Robert Guillaume's real name is Robert Williams. Really? But he took he took Guillaume because it's Guillaume is the French word for William. Okay. So yeah, it's very smart. Oh, one one question I had about his character was he was asked. I think it was his character. I'm looking at my notes, and I don't know, I, but I think it was him. He was asked how long he's been in, and he says six years. I think. Wouldn't you know? No, how- that was the that. That was the uh, the roommate. Okay, it's the roommate. Wouldn't you know how long you'd been roommate. there? Cellmate. <laughs> like maybe if it had been decades, you might at that point not care. But you'd think. Yeah. After, I think I don't know. There was something about that where I'm like, wouldn't you know? I think it's just supposed to show that time just sort of time moves differently yeah. in prison because you don't really you don't have a calendar or yeah, anything. I guess that's and, true. The only other note I had is like at the beginning, he doesn't notice the man standing next to the doll. Mm-hmm. That was weird. Yeah, like he's just staring at this doll. Like it was like it was an evil doll that hypnotized him and distracted <laughs> him, and that was so weird to me. So right, since you watched this for the first time, the reveal of the Sandman getting put into prison mm-hmm. did that surprise you at all, or um, did you expect that? It wasn't super surprising. I kind of thought something like that might happen. Well, because I mean, if anything, him going in there, I was like. Is there anybody here that he put in prison? Like I was, yeah. Th- there was that thought, but the, he is told that there's no one there. That the guys do say there's nobody in that prison that you're arrested because you're Canadian. Okay, so that's why we want they want an undercover officer from a different country to go in. Doesn't make any sense, but um, but yeah, it's uh, 
I imagine, because I always think that that would be sort of like a bit of a holy shit moment to someone who hasn't seen it before. Mm-hmm. If you haven't watched the trailer, because the trailer gives away the final fight. It shows okay. the final fight between the Sandman and Van Damme. It's not really telegraphed as much because he just gets this guy and then he's hired. We're supposed to think he's hired by the LA police, you know what I mean? Mm. Because he did a good job, but then he turns up later. Because you, I mean, we're supposed to think he's dead, the Sandman. So yeah, and that was the only thing that surprised me. Is I was like, oh, I thought the guy was dead, but yeah, just with the kind of plot it is, with you know this cop in prison, like I, I was kind of like expecting something like that to happen. Um, it wasn't as surprising to me. And I, I do want to say, while we were recording, Dylan went to go pick Xander up. Mm-hmm. And I was, like, looking out the window, like, watching for them to come back so I could be ready for the dogs going crazy. Mm-hmm. And I the dogs didn't go crazy for once. Because I, unless wow. there's an intruder in my house right now, I can tell they're home. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we got a break from the dogs going crazy. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. There's a thing that me and my friend Lee used to always think when the guy, Bruce Aliong, is fighting Van Damme mm-hmm. and he gets his head smashed into the, the tumble dryer or the washing machine, whatever it is. I think it's a tumble dryer because it, yeah, doesn't matter. He gets his head smashed into the enemy and the door. Uh, we used to think that there was not glass there because his head goes right through. There's a sound effect for the glass. Mm-hmm. Um, but his head just goes right in, like there's no glass there. But watching it in HD, I think there is like a plastic bit there to, it's supposed to be glass that'll smash away. Mm-hmm. But instead of his head going through the glass, it shoves the glass in. Mm-hmm. Because there's a reflection of the glass that I can actually see before his head goes in when I put it in pause. So I told my friend Lee this, and I don't think he believed me. I think he still thinks there's no glass there. <laughs> but I think it was a, a mistake where he just shoves the glass in with his head rather than break it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I just wanted to make sure that my friend Lee knows that I'm talking about this partly. <laughs> <laughs> but then there is broken glass round about his head in the other shot, so it is a continuity error either way. Mm-hmm. Uh, right, quick notes. I remember a lot about this movie, but my brain blocked out the hacker character. Yeah. I forgot he was a thing. The person who set Myerson on fire vanishes very, very quickly when we see the outside shot. So that guy gets set on fire in his cell, and then we see the outside shot, and all the, the, the prisoners are going crazy, and you see the fire, and the, well, the person who done it is not, not there anymore. Okay. So whoever done that is gone. It was very poorly done. Uh, the guy who attacks him in the room, there are all three of them are in the room. The guy who just smashes through the door, like the Kool Aid man, mm-hmm. um, and he hits everyone with a weight. Uh, he has to be the least scariest villain in this, because mm-hmm. when he's he's holding Van Damme up against the wall, he's got a really silly face on him, like a big grin on his face, and it looked just not threatening at all. Right when Burke is going down the stairs uh, towards the end. There's a bunch of prisoners up, like, it's a metal cage wall type thing at the the stairs, and he's running down. There's a prisoner who, like, throws a baton or something. He just throws, like, a bit of wood. It sounds like wood when it hits the ground. Um, He throws it at Burke, but it misses so much. It's like, there's no way that would have hit him anyway. So I think we should give that prisoner um, a participation trophy, because at least he tried. (laughs) All right. Uh... 
this is just what I write down. <laughs> this is what I write down when I'm watching movies, Jen. Uh, the Sandman coming out of the furnace is rid- on fire is ridiculous, but I love it when he stops being on fire and he stands up and his face is just, like sort of moving weird and creepy. I like that. It's a great shot. Mm-hmm. Art Lafleur, who played uh, Sergeant De Graff, uh, he passed away in 2021 after a battle with Parkinson's. He was 78. But he also played the Tooth Fairy in the Santa Claus 2 and 3. Okay. So that's how you would know him. Yeah. Playing. Oh, you know, it's so sad. I, you know, I got really into the Santa Claus movies and I started watching the Santa Clauses and then I was having problems with my Disney Plus app. Um, so I went a couple days without watching the Santa Clauses and then I forgot about it. And I noticed the other day I'm still in the middle of an episode and I never finished it. And I'm wondering if I ever will. Oh, really? I mean, I should, because I was really into it, but, like, it, it was one of those things where I had this obsession for, like, a week or two, and the obsession mm-hmm. went away. I've moved on to other things, so I'm yeah. curious if I'll go back and, and finish. There are so many shows I'm in the middle of an episode of where I just kind of forgot I was watching them. Yeah. Two more notes, and one is very brief. I just wrote down, cockroach, yuck. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my final note is, the director of this movie also directed an episode of Buffy, Jen. Oh, which episode? Uh, Killed by Death in season two. Okay. The hospital one. Okay. Buffy's in hospital and meets the this Freddy Krueger type thing that kills that, kids. That's the first season. <laughs> that's the second season. No, it's the first season. No, it's the second season. Oh, wait, no. it's Okay, you're right. I forgot there were two hospital episodes. Yeah, uh, Nightmares. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, or, that's why yeah. I was confused. It's... Plus, it's, it's yeah, been yeah, a while yeah. since I watched the first few seasons, because I keep starting at, like, weird parts, like the fourth season or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so it's been a while, but yeah, I forgot there were two hospital episodes. Yeah, this one's set more in a hospital because she falls ill, mm-hmm. and then she goes to the hospital, and then kids are dying. Okay. But yeah, he directed that episode, and that's the only episode he directed <laughs> of Buffy. He's directed loads more TV since, but... I love that directors like i never realized until recent years like i think it's more common now like directors like people who directed movies then going into tv and i think it used to be sort of like (laughs) they can't get a movie job so they move into tv and but now it's like totally different this week's episode of succession was directed by the guy who directed the menu oh really he's directed a ton of episodes of succession and it's just like it's not just actors where things have changed, it's directors too, where it used to be like TV was like, you don't want to do TV, you want to do movies, and, and TV is like lower yeah. quality and stuff. Because you would get a lot of, like TV directors who became famous movie directors. Mm-hmm. Spielberg being like like the main one, really, because he did Columbo and stuff like that before becoming a movie director. But then the Russellas, um directing the Marvel movies, they did community in that first mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And um but now I think it's not it's not really a big deal now. It's like, well yeah, he directed the movie and he's directing this episode. Mm-hmm. Whereas back in the nineties, it was a big deal when Quentin Tarantino directed an episode of ER. Yeah, that was huge. Now he could direct an episode of anything they wanted, nobody would bat an island. It wouldn't be as weird. It wouldn't be as weird at all. No, it wouldn't. Can I um, go on a rant that has nothing to do with this movie, but I want you to leave it in? Yes. This is really important, and it's topical, okay? Well, it's it's a subject that is literally always topical, but especially this week. So, Sunday night, I go to study, and I'm sitting at a bar later, 
Succession has been over for less than two hours. Right. I watch Succession on Mondays. I don't have time to watch it on Sundays because that's one of the nights I do homework. Nice. And, um, and even if I hadn't gone to the bar, if I'd gone home, I would have just gone to bed. So I'm sitting at the bar and I look on Facebook and I see they're not, the headlines aren't <laughs> saying exactly what happened in that night's episode of Succession. Mm-hmm. But as long as you're not an idiot, you can tell what happened based on what it says there. And it was a huge episode of Succession, and it got ruined for me. All right. And I'm not going to say what happened in case someone listens to this and they haven't seen it. But it was yeah. the kind of thing, like, it It was even worse because in the episode, it's like this thing comes out of nowhere. And it would have been really cool to get to watch it knowing what was going to happen, because then it would have been shocking. Like, I will always wonder, how would I have watched this episode had I not known? Mm. And I just want to remind people listening that if you say spoilers if you go on the internet and say spoilers you're an asshole and i feel like with tv it should be you should wait at least a week and with movies i honestly think you should wait until it's available streaming mm-hmm. but like honestly just never do it i hate the f- where we are now i hate it because like when i watched the walking dead mm-hmm. like if there was a major death in the walking dead i would try to avoid Twitter, because someone would say it on Twitter, or try to avoid, like, uh, just go on Google, um, because there might be, like, a news thing up there that just says, you know, someone died in The Walking Dead, big story, blah, 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 and I'm like, fuck off, because we don't, we didn't get it till the next day mm-hmm. in the UK. I mean, sometimes it's worse, sometimes you might not get it until a week later, a TV show, so I just hate spoilers in general. So right now for me it's Yellow Jackets. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to avoid anything to do with Yellow Jackets because I can't watch the new episode until Saturdays because we get it in Paramount Plus here on Saturdays. So that's almost a week later. No, no, it's next day. Oh, next day. Oh, does it come out on Fridays? Yeah, yeah. It comes out on Fridays. Oh, okay, I assumed it, it was Sunday. Uh, um, it comes on. No, well, it airs on Sunday. Oh, okay, but it comes out. On the app oh, on Friday, okay. I'm but we behind, get it so in the UK on the Saturday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you actually are you sort of up to date though? Apart from one episode, then or just watch the one episode. I haven't had a ton of time. I feel bad. Last night we were going to watch it, and we were watching Ted Lasso, and I just passed out. And <sighs> uh, I still need to watch the second half of that episode of Ted Lasso because I don't know what happened. And I'm complaining and like warning people like don't do this, but honestly. A lot of it is just like entertainment outlets, like like Entertainment Weekly or things like that. And it sucks because it's like it makes me not want to follow your publication on Facebook because you're going to post this stuff. And it's mm-hmm. so frustrating. It is so frustrating to have things spoiled. And I'm a big fan of like, no matter what I'm talking about, asking someone, Oh, have you seen this before saying like the big ending or whatever? Because you never know. Yeah. You could be talking to the one person that didn't watch The Sixth Sense and hasn't had it ruined yet. Like, it never hurts to just say, Have you? And there have been times where I wanted to post memes on Facebook and I couldn't do it because I'm like, This movie hasn't been out long enough for me to post this spoilery meme, even though it's very funny. Well, I'm, I'm sick of people and then pages like um, Entertainment Weekly and stuff like that. They'll feel like they're being spoiler-free by being cryptic about it. But it doesn't take much to figure shit out. The main thing I think of in spoilers for season four finale for Dexter, 
Um, I went on, like, we were watching, we, we were going to watch it that night, but we were watching something else mm-hmm. first. And I went on, I made the mistake of going on Twitter. And one of my friends that I know watches Dexter just posted Rita with an exclamation. Mm. I was like, oh, Rita dies. Yeah. Like, you could tell just by that response, oh, this mm. character is going to die. And, like, it doesn't take much to figure out a spoiler. And it's so frustrating no. to me. And I just think it's important to talk about every once in a while about how spoilers suck. And I saw a lot of think pieces this week about spoilers. And it's because of Succession. Because basically anyone who didn't watch it the moment it aired had it spoiled for them. Anyway, next week, Jen, is our 100th movie. Mm-hmm. And what are we covering, Jen? Fear. Fear, finally. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. From 1996, I want to say. I think so, yeah. Yeah. So, another 90s movie. There we go. I need to pick a 90s movie. Oh, no, it's your turn after after Fear, because this is both ours. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Anyway, we're covering Fear for our 100th, because we talked about it in our first episode. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, the crush, so it's been it took us this long to finally get around to fear. We didn't want to do it straight away because it's too not similar. Really similar, but it's I mean it's similar. it's it's a it's a similar genre, I think. Yeah, 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 yeah. Similar time too. Like they were both, you know, just a couple years. Couple apart. years each other. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's next week. So that's all we have time for today. If you'd like to follow the podcast on. Twitter, it's uh, at <laughs> Drop the Pack Pod. Uh, I'm at Shifty B. Uh, ShiftyBench.co.uk is the website. Contact the ShiftyBench.co.uk is the email address. We have a Spotify playlist of music playlists on YouTube, on the YouTube channel, Shifty Bench Podcast, which has trailers from every single movie that we've covered and uh, extras, like interviews and stuff like that, and some like behind the scenes stuff. And that's the sort of thing I put on you. Uh, where can people follow you online, Jen? At Pilot Inspectors on Twitter. Excellent. I have a big long spiel, and Jen, Jen's just Pilot Inspectors. Yeah. Pilot Inspectors on Twitter. You used to have a longer spiel when I had other podcasts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair enough. You did. So thank you for listening, and we'll speak to you all next time. Goodbye. Goodbye.